Welcome or welcome back to Criminal Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Jade, and thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute planet Earth. I just want to say thank you guys so much for the support on this podcast so far. It's been truly amazing and it's mind boggling. Um, Like I said before, the fact that people actually listen to my voice. Thank you guys so much for your support. It means the world to me. So today, we are going to be talking about the murder of Lena Bruce in 1992 and how it was solved 23 years later. So let's get started. Lena Bruce was a 21-year-old university graduate and was living with her best friend, Barbara Eden. She and Barbara lived in an apartment together on Massachusetts Avenue in Massachusetts. Lena and Barbara met their freshman year of university. Barbara says that she saw Lena walking around on campus and went up to her and introduced herself and asking if they want to be friends. And jokingly, Lena said, do I have a choice? And after that, they became really good best friends. Lena was described as a very smart, determined, focused, and intelligent woman. She was accepted into Harvard and Yale University, but she ended up going to Tufts University because she wanted to major in in, in electrical engineering, and Tufts University had the best program for that major. She graduated from Tufts University in 1992 with honors in electrical engineer, and she was the only African-American woman to receive that degree in her class. As a lot of people know, if you've had experience with the whole college system, it's really hard to get a job right after you graduate from college. And some people just go to college and they just end up never using their degrees. But once Lena graduated, she had been offered three jobs at three different electrical engineer firms. Lena Bruce grew up in North Philadelphia in the Francisville neighborhood, and her family was a part of the lower middle class. Her father said that she was an ambitious person who was career-driven and wanted the best for her family. She promised her mother that she would buy them a new home and move them out of North Philadelphia. Lena started working at a prestigious firm in Boston called Stone and Webster Engineering Corporation. Her supervisors saw how passionate she was about her job and the potential she had. Then she moved in with her best friend, Barbara Eden. They moved into apartment 694 along Massachusetts Avenue. On July 10th, 1992, Barbara was getting ready for a trip for the weekend, leaving Lena by herself. Lena followed Barbara outside, waving each other goodbye. On Sunday, July 12th, 1992, Barbara is back from her weekend trip, and she was super excited to see her best friend. She goes into the apartment, puts her stuff down, and starts to call Lena's name. When Lena doesn't answer after some time, 
Barbara goes to Lena's bedroom and notices the door is shut. So she knocks on the door, again calling for Lena and telling her that she's home. When she doesn't answer the door, she opens the door. Barbara said that right away she doesn't know what she's looking at. She can't really wrap her head around, you know, what's going on, and she didn't want to believe that it was true. 21-year-old Lena was lying face down on her bed, naked from the waist down, and her hands were tied around her back with a telephone cord. Barbara ran out of the apartment and she saw a police officer passing by and she ran to the officer and told them what she saw. Then detectives arrive at the apartment. Once detectives arrive, they look around the place for any evidence and right away they notice the apartment just looks a mess. Like clothes were thrown down so police collected them as evidence just in case the killer's DNA was on it. Then they take photos of the apartment and they show them to Barbara and ask her if she noticed that something was out of place or if something was taken or didn't belong there. Barbara noticed that all around the place were a bunch of empty soda cans and a bottle of beer and that stuck out to Barbara because she and Lena didn't drink beer. Police look outside in the garden and they find two condom packages, baby oil, and a wallet. They were all taken into evidence and Lena Bruce's body was taken to the medical examiner for an autopsy. They collected fingernail clippings, vaginal, oral, and anal swabs. The cause of death was suffocation and that she was raped. Police we're now trying to figure out how the murder took place. Did she know the person that killed her? Did she let him into the apartment? Did they break in or did they have a key? They were just trying to figure out the first piece of the case and that was how the murderer got into the apartment. Behind Lena and Barbara's apartment, there was an alleyway and they thought maybe the killer could have seen the fire escape stairs go up the stairs and go through Barbara Eden's bedroom window. Now it's July, it's hot, and what do people do with their windows? Right, yes, they leave them open to get some fresh air. So they determined that Lena could have opened the window to let some air in, so police were determined that that's how the killer got into the apartment. Police started going around the apartment complex, knocking on people's doors, people that lived across from them, just people that lived in the area, if they heard anything, saw anything, but no one knew anything. Since they had no eyewitnesses, police started to look into Lena's life. They learned that Lena had a boyfriend at the time of the murder, and I don't believe that they were dating for that long of a time because... Barbara said that she only met him twice and she didn't know that much about him. They bring the boyfriend in for questioning and he was cooperative and answering all the questions they had for him and he had an alibi for the time Lena was murdered and the alibi checked out so he was ruled out. Police started looking at former boyfriends, classmates, and co-workers but Nothing came of it. 
they couldn't link any of them to the murder. Since the police had no suspects, they turned to the swabs and fingernail clippings they collected from Lena's body, and they tested the DNA. Now, at this time, DNA technology isn't fully developed, which is crazy to think about. Remember, it's 1992, but they found the killer's DNA from the vaginal swabs. They found semen, and they also found traces of DNA under her fingernails, indicating that Lena did put up a fight. Because the only evidence they had was the DNA, and seeing that at the time in 1992, the technology wasn't fully advanced, there was nothing that they could do, which made the case go cold. Now, scientists and detectives, they never really forgot about this case. They were always wondering when's the next update. They were constantly working and just waiting for technology to advance. So they were always looking into this case, and when the time came, they were able to make a DNA profile. They entered the profile into CODIS, so the police were hoping that the killer had committed a crime before and was in, in CODIS, so they would catch the killer, but there were no matches to the DNA found. The police started looking into different ways for the DNA to be a match. Police came up with this idea, and I think that this idea is an absolute genius of an idea. It's something straight out of Criminal Minds or some crime TV show or movie, but the idea was that they were going to send out letters to basically all the men in Lena's life. Now, in the letter, they said, congratulations, you're in for a chance to win this great prize. All you have to do to be entered is send us back this letter and your name in this pre-stamped envelope. Now, of course, there was no prize. It was a trick to get these men to lick the envelope, and police would use the DNA from the envelope to test it against the DNA profile. The majority of men did send back the envelope, but nothing came of it. But I think we can all give props, give kudos to the detective for coming up with this idea because that is thinking out of the box right there. It was like that detect. I think that would be me as a detective or as an agent. <laughs> They're like, where'd you get this idea? Oh, you know, just, just watching the first 48 or Criminal Minds or NCIS. Yeah, that's, that's how I got my idea. But I just love how they came up with that idea. 23 years after Lena was murdered, they found a match for the DNA profile, and the match was to a man named James Witowski, who in 2015 was 42 years old. And at the time of the murder in 1992, James was 19. He wasn't someone that Lena knew, and he was never considered a suspect, and no one ever thought of him. James was a petty criminal. He never actually served prison time until recently. He was arrested before, but his DNA was never entered into the database because in Massachusetts, it is one of 15 states where a person is not required to provide a DNA profile if they are just arrested. They are only required to give their DNA if they are convicted of a crime. And that is... That is some type of law. That is crazy to think about. I, because it's like, usually what happens is when an, a, an offender 
did I struggle on that, is arrested, they are required to give DNA. So if it wasn't for this Massachusetts law, James Wachowski would have been arrested for Lena's murder right on the spot, right, right back in 1992. So some reports say that he was arrested and convicted of fraud, drug charges, or assault. I couldn't really find an exact one, but one of those three he was arrested and convicted for. And when his DNA was entered into the database, it was found to be a match of Lena Bruce's killer. They bring James in for questioning, and they start by asking him about where the murder took place, which was Lena's apartment. They showed him a picture and asked him if he's familiar with the area, and he said yes. And then, and that he and his friends would hang out around that area and sit on the steps and drink alcohol. Then they started asking him if he knew any of the murders that happened in that area, or anyone he knew that had been murdered in that area, or anyone he knew murdered anyone in that area, and he says no. They show James a photo of Lena and Barbara and ask if he recognizes either of them. He said that he vaguely remembers seeing the shorter one at a park, and the shorter one was Barbara, but he said that he did not recognize Lena. They show another picture of Lena and ask, do you have an association with this girl? Do you know her? And he responds by saying, quote, I don't know her. She's pretty, though, end quote. His exact words. And if you want to see this interview, it's on YouTube on the True Crime Daily YouTube channel. And I will have it in the description box for you guys to see all of it. So detectives ask him, do you have any recollection of being at 694 Massachusetts Avenue apartment on the first floor? And he says no. Then the detectives ask, do you know a girl named Lena Bruce? And he shakes his head saying no. They ask him, have you ever had sex with a woman named Lena Bruce? And he says, quote, well, I've had sex with a lot of girls, so I really can't remember, end quote. They ask James if he's ever raped any of the women, and he says, no, it was always consensual. James went on with the whole answer, and he says that some of the girls like to be bound and gagged, and he would do it with their permission. And detectives are like, whoa, 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 wait. They like to be bound and gagged, meaning you bound and gagged them? Because Lena Bruce was found with her hands bound behind her back with a telephone cord. Detectives show James the picture of Lena Bruce again and ask if he knows her, and he says if he had sex with her, it would have been consensual, but that he didn't know her. His DNA was on Lena's body, so they knew that he killed her, but he just wasn't confessing. So, detectives start going over everything again. The night of Lena's murder, outside they found condoms, a wallet, and baby oil. There were no fingerprints on the wallet, but inside the wallet there were these little scraps of paper. And at the time, they weren't processed, so they hurried up and processed it. And on 
One of the little scraps of paper was a fingerprint. They tested the fingerprint against James's fingerprint and it was a match. So they had the fingerprint on a scrap of paper in the wallet. They found traces of semen in her body that belonged to him and his DNA under her fingernails. So James Witowski was arrested and charged with the murder of Bruna Lees. Police's theory as to what happened that night was that maybe James Witowski was sitting on the stairs of the apartment complex, just drinking and hanging around the apartment complex like he usually did. And he saw Barbara Eden leave with her stuff because she was leaving for a weekend trip. And Lena did follow Barbara outside to wave her goodbye, and James decided to take that opportunity. He walks up the fire escape steps climbs into the apartment through Barbara's window, and he puts his beer bottle down and went to find Lena. Once he found her, he tied her up, raped her, and suffocated her, and then left. And he got away with it for 23 years. Two years later, the case goes to trial, and James Witowski pleads not guilty. And Lena's parents died before any of this happened, so they never really got to see their daughter get justice. His defense was that the night Lena Bruce was killed, James did have sex with Lena, but it was consensual, and that after he left her apartment, someone else must have murdered her. And Lena Bruce didn't even know James Otowski. She would socialize with her best friend, you know, she was living with her, um, people she went to school with, and people from her sorority that were active in the community and she was in a relationship so why would she have sex with someone who is just sitting around on the steps all day drinking and doing drugs it, it wasn't adding up so the jury deliberated for three days when they came back they found 45 year old james Witowski guilty of first-degree murder of 21-year-old Lena Bruce and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. This story is an absolute tragedy. Um, Lena had so much to look forward to in her life and when I first watched this probably a couple months ago I had tears in my eyes and one of the detectives that was on this case he was crying. He calls her a superstar, um, and I agree. Um, she was, from what I've read and from the way people have described her, she was loved by everyone, and she was a smart, ambitious, career-driven woman that had so much to look forward to in her life, and she was going to change her and her family's life. And for someone to take her life in her own bed... In a place where you feel safe, it is absolutely crazy and heartbreaking to me. And, um, yeah. It, ah, I really never know what to say. But I'm glad that she got the justice that she deserved and that James Witowski will rot in prison because we love when killers rot behind bars. But that is the end of today's story. I would love to know what you guys think. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode that comes out every Thursday. You can follow my Instagram at criminalcuriositypod where you can see the pictures of the case 
behind the scenes or just to keep up with what's going on. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can also request any cases that you have through Instagram or Gmail, which I will have in the description box below. And please be safe out there. Look out for one another. And until next time, bye everyone.